One of the things that has always been important to me about Jesus and his teaching and his example is the way that he taught people and showed them that the way they looked at relationships, like who's in and who's out, who's good and who's bad, was too small, too narrow. He was constantly challenging people's thoughts and giving them new insights in what it meant to be a person created by God, loved by God, and in relationship with all the other people around who also were created by God and loved by God. So, while in his culture, people had very strict definitions of who's in and who's out, like the Jewish people really didn't like the Romans because the Romans were somebody else who'd come in and conquered their country. Jesus talked to the Roman people and the Roman soldiers. He even healed one of their servants. And people were going, hey, why is he wasting his power healing a Roman soldier servant? Come on. Or there was this group of people that lived right in the middle of the country who were called Samaritans. And although they had a Jewish background, because they were the people when many, many, many years before the Babylonians came in and conquered the whole country, that poor country was always getting conquered by somebody for a while there, the, the Babylonians took all the leaders and shipped them out of the country, the religious leaders, the government leaders, you know, all those people, took them to Babylon and left behind the farmers and the ordinary workers. And for years, those two groups were separated. They, they all believed in God. They all followed the five books of Moses. But when the group that got sent to Babylon, their descendants, because none of the originals were living, I think, got to come back, they each had developed way, different ways of doing things and different ways of worshiping. And one group looked at the other group and said, you're not doing it right. So we don't like you. And Jesus said, phooey. And instead of going around where the Samaritans lived, he'd walk right through their part of the country and he would talk with them. And one day he even sat down at a well and not only did he talk with a Samaritan, it was a Samaritan woman and that was even worse. And taught her about how they loved the same God. And they were together. Time after time after time, Jesus was breaking down barriers between people and expanding the circle of God's love, of what it meant to be a person of God, a part of the family of God. Just kept stretching it and stretching it and stretching it. And after Jesus ascended back into heaven and his disciples went out and started teaching other people about Jesus as they were told to do and the Holy Spirit helped them do after Pentecost, they still had le lessons to learn about that too. P 
Peter got this message that he was supposed to go and up to these non-Jewish people and teach them about Jesus. And he thought, mm-hmm. but he went because he had a dream that he finally understood. I think he had about three times that he finally understood that it meant that if God declares something good and holy, then it is. And God was saying, these people are good. They're my people too. So he went and he taught them and he baptized them. This just kept going on and on and on. And throughout the history of the church, we've had times when we've recognized that message and acted on it and expanded the circle of love. And we've had times when we have failed to do so. We've gotten scared, lost touch with the Holy Spirit, started to worry more about our self than trust God, and we start to push people away. But I am really happy that I found my home in the United Church of Christ because it has been a denomination, or, and those that came before it, that had moments, wonderful moments, of expanding the circle. The Congregationalists in New England before the Civil War in, in the, the 17 and 1800s were strong abolitionists that worked to end slavery long before the Civil War. There's a wonderful story, I'm not gonna tell it now, about the Amistad, but if you don't know that story, I hope you look it up because it's about how those abolitionists helped free people that some other people were trying to throw back into slavery. They are uh, forebearers in the faith in this denomination also ordained the first woman pastor in the middle of the 1800s. Well, that was a big deal. I wouldn't be here if that hadn't, perhaps if that had not happened either in the 1800s or sometime. The United Church of Christ, after it was formed, was very active in the civil rights movement. The United Church of Christ was one of the first denominations to ordain someone who was openly gay. The United Church of Christ started blessing the relationships of gay and lesbian men and women even before it was legal because there's a difference between a marriage that's legal and marriage or a relationship that's holy in the eyes of God. They've expanded and expanded and expanded that understanding, and I am so grateful for that. In today's story in the gospel, Jesus expanded that understanding in a couple of ways. First of all, there were those religious leaders who were, I think, jealous of Jesus being able to cure all these people and cast out demons. And so what what did they say? Oh, if he can cast out demons, he must be one. He must be in league. He must be bad. And Jesus said, no. Come on, that doesn't make any sense. If, if the devil, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him, was fighting against himself, he wouldn't last long. And he, so he in a way, said to them, 
Just because someone has gifts and abilities that are different than yours in serving God doesn't mean they're your enemy. We just serve in different ways. And then, at the very end of the story, when his mother and brothers and sisters came, because they were worried about, they were hearing people say, you know, he's got a devil in him, something's wrong. They were worried. They came to find him and find out. And he, people said, hey, Jesus, your mom, your, your brothers, your sister, they're out there looking for you. And he said, who are my brothers and my mother? And he wasn't saying, they're not my brothers and my mother and my sisters. But then he said, look around you. All these people here who want to do God's will, they're family too. They're my brothers and sisters too. And he was saying that the circle of family in God's eyes is not just determined by blood, by genetics, but that anyone who seeks to do God's will is his brother and sister, is part of Jesus' family. So all of you, I know that they can trace our DNA, or not our RNA, but something, our mitochondrial DNA, way, way, millions, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years back, so we're all at least 42nd cousins or something here. Maybe by now it's 43rd cousins, I don't know. But, because I heard that a long time ago. But we're not just related that way. We're related because of love. God's love made known to us in Jesus and the love he asks us to share one another. That's why we sometimes talk about church being family. It doesn't mean that church is only for like nuclear families or something. It means that we're family because we're united together by love. Today, we're celebrating being, one of the things we're celebrating is being united together by love with the celebration of Camry and Caden's adoption. That family is made by love. And now it's finally legally recognized. Yay! Yay! But the love's been there for a long time. A long time. It's been built and it's been grown, but it's been there for a long time. I remember when I was growing up, there weren't a whole lot, I didn't know a whole lot of kids were adopted. I'm sure after World War II, there were a lot of kids who were war orphans who got adopted, you know, in that generation, but there weren't a lot. I think I knew, there was, I knew one girl in my grade school who was adopted. And uh, certainly, there weren't interracial adoptions. One of my favorite pictures I saw on the internet was at, at an adoption hearing, it was the final hearing, and there was a, a man and a boy sitting next to each other, and the, the man was African-American and the boy was Caucasian, and they were wearing shirts that said, families don't have to match. The circle of love is expanded. And whether it's single parents adopting children, grandparents adopting, you know, becoming adoptive parents, 
whatever it is, it's the circle of love being expanded, which is what Jesus called us to do and what we're celebrating today, both in the secular legal sense of an adoption and the baptism in which we celebrate God's love for Caden and Camry and their desire to live in that love, in that relationship. So, and all of our, and the love that God has for all of us as we receive the gifts from the table. So this is a day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in it. Now, a final word. Before we sing the hymn, it's one that sometimes confuses people because usually when we sing a hymn, we are speaking words for ourselves. We're praising God. We're asking God for something. We're, we're singing out our thoughts, our praise. But the hymn we're going to sing in a minute is not our words. It is words that someone imagined, and I believe absolutely rightly so, words that God speaks to all of us. When God says, I was there to hear your morning cry, I'll be there when you are old, and it covers our whole lifespan.